What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Giants Nation. Oh, sorry. welcome everyone back to welcome everyone. Uh, welcome back to the Giants Nation podcast. I'm your host. Oh, I already said that. I gotta stop saying that. You know, I only say you know so crazy. I only say that when I when I start the show. I don't have to say it again. I gotta remind myself to stop doing that. Uh, but guys, um. First of all, I hope everyone is hope everyone's enjoying their day. Um, but guys, I decided to come on here um, because um, I have some questions that's um, uh, um, I got from you guys, and I'm gonna be answering some of them. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm gonna be doing um, right now. Um, so yeah, here we go. Um, so my um, <clears throat> so basically some of the, so looks like some of you guys wanted me to um answer some of your questions. Uh, most of them are about the special teams. Uh, Joe Shane um, cuts and also Tommy DeVito and more. So let's get right into this mailbag. The mail is here. So obviously, guys, while we while we wait for the Giants to host the Jets um, uh, later on um, in their preseason finale, let's open the Big Blue View mailbag and answer some Giants-related questions. So here we go. Um, first question come, is coming from Eric uh, C. Um, Eric, you're asking, just listen to uh, your piece on offensive positional battles. In regards to the wide receiver position, what's What's stopping a guy like Crowder, Beasley, Shep, etc. to say they'd be willing to play more special team snaps in order to make the team? Do they not need, uh, do they not, do, do they not do that because, do they, do they not do that because they're vets, skill sets, risk of injury, something else? Well, Eric, I appreciate the question. Um, look at, Eric, it's not as easy as just raising your hand and saying, I'll cover punts. It's a skill. You know, just like playing positions on offense or defense. These guys don't just run down the field and and hope. You know, if you're going to be able to cover punts or kickoffs, you have to be able to tackle. Do you really think Sterling Shepard or Cole Beasley would be a reliable uh, tackler? A punt gunner has to have the strength to get through a double team at the line of scrimmage and the ability to fight off a player trying to block him all the way down the field. Guys who play on the punt team have to be able to identify the right guys to block. You know, be able to block them. Then be able to get down the field and make, I, you know, to to go down the field and make, um, um, oh wait, I think I misworded myself. You know, um, what I meant to say is this. A punt gunner has to have you know, the strength to get through a double team at the line of scrimmage and the ability to fight off a, p- a player trying to block him all the way down the field. Guys who play on the punt team have to be able to identify the right guys to block, be able to block them, then be able to get down the field and make a play. Each player on the kickoff uh, kickoff coverage team has specific responsibilities, as does each player on the punt or kickoff return team. The same holds true with the field goal, uh, with the field goal and field goal block teams. Special team coordinator Thomas Magagi said this week that it is rare for a veteran player 
who did not play on special teams at the beginning of his of his uh, career to play them at the end of his career. You know, it's not easy. You know, um, it's never too late for anything, but it's definitely not easy. You know, Tom McGaugh was even saying when you get to that point, it's more of a desire thing. And then just being able to learn that skill set. It's a different kind of skill set, you know. So what I'm trying to say is this. Normally, the guys that play teams later in their career play their early in their career. It's rare when you see a guy that hasn't played on teams then just start doing it uh, year seven, year eight, or whatever it is. You don't see it a lot. But, I mean, it definitely happens. I haven't seen it a lot, but it definitely happens. So, that's all I got to say about that. But, I appreciate the question. Um, next question is coming from Doug Mullins. Doug, your, your question is, every time Dayball, Shane, Brandon Brown speak, it's such, it's such a breath of fresh air, caring, intelligent, and competent people in charge of the Giants. Granted, it's only season two, but in your time covering the Giants, does, it, does this feel like the best collection of talent running the team um, that you've seen from top to bottom? First of all, I appreciate the question, and here's what I got to say. Yes, absolutely. There is no question about it. You know, like, there was a time when Jerry Reese was a very good scout, and that helped that helped him in the early years of his tenure as um, as a GM. As Jerry Reese got farther away from his scouting roots, he had to rely on Mark Ross as his right-hand man. He also had Kevin Abrams as assistant GM, and Kevin Abrams is a cap guy without real personnel chops. The other problem with the Jerry Reese tenure is that he was a forward-thinking GM who had one vision for what for what he wanted the Giants to be. Well, he had an old-school coaching staff headed by um, led uh, led by Tom Coughlin that had a different vision. To me, Jerry Reese drafted too many players that fit his vision and weren't what the coaching staff really needed or wanted. That led to an awkwardly constructed roster. A little bit like Jerry Reese, Dave Gutterman was a really good scout, you know, when that was his job. I never really thought Dave Gutterman understood resource management and how to fit the pieces together to build a quality roster. You know, um, the other problem is that Dave Gutterman was in arranged marriages with head coaches Pat Shermer and Joe Judge. He didn't hire either guy. Ownership did particularly in the case of Joe Judge. It eventually became obvious that the GM and head coach did not see things the same way. They've got him him and brought in a few of his own front office people, but he was also largely saddled with the stale front office that had been in place for a long time. Joe Shane hired Brian Dayball. My belief is that John Mira made that hire my belief is that John Mira made that hire Brian uh, Flores would be the Giants head coach. He left Joe Shane hire his head coach, though. He also let Joe Shane reorganize the front office. And Joe Shane has brought in a lot of quality people. Because, look at, because Brian Dayball and Joe Shane are on the same page and because Joe Shane understands that, he and his scouts have to know exactly what the coaching staff needs 
at each position at each position and try to give it to them. The Giants know what skills they are searching for when they look for players. That leads to better decisions. It leads to finding players like Jordan Riley or Trey Hawkins at the end of the draft. You know, um, it also leads to the many successful waiver claims the Giants made a year ago. You know, so it should make Giants fans feel good about the future. You know, so I appreciate the question. Uh, next question is coming from Larry M. Larry, your question is, um, Brandon Brown, I'm so glad we got him from the Eagles, talked about the claim order in a recent interview with nearly 1,200 players being released this week. How does that work? Is it like the draft where each team claims one player at a time or does the first team claim all the players they want and the next team uh, goes and does the same? Well, Larry, I appreciate the question. And here's what here's what I would say. At this time of at this time of the year, the waiver claim order is the same at you know, it's it's the same as the draft order. That means that the Giants are 26 in waiver uh, priority right now. That means the Giants won't be able the Giants that means the Giants won't be awarded a player that claim unless none of the 25 teams in front of them claim that player. A team can claim as many players as it wants, and it's then award, you know, it is then awarded players, you know, uh, based on the claim order. If two teams claim pl- claim a player, the team, you know, the team highest in the waiver priority are awarded that player. The waiver priority changes after week three of the regular season. From that point, from that point on, it's really based on team records going worst to best. That means it will change each week during the season. The more interesting part was the more interesting part was Brandon Brown talking about defensive guys having a higher hit rate of being claimed than playing on a 53 after the cutdown than maybe some offensive guys. That is an interesting note. I'm not sure why that is, but it could have something to do with the volume of an offensive playbook. You know, so. That's all I got to say about that, but I appreciate the question. Next question is coming from uh, um, Louise um, Louise uh, Rolston uh, C. Uh, Louise, you're asking, obviously, it's that time. Um, it's that time. Uh, it's that time. Obviously, it's that time where we'll see a ton of roster cutdowns. Do you see the Giants trading away a guy like Matt Pert who hasn't impressed? To an offensive line needy team like the Jets for a fifth, for a fifth, uh, seventh round pick who might be willing to take a flyer on him in desperation. I think odds are he just gets cut, but I'm hoping Joe Shane can flip him for a future asset as he as he's shown with this year's class he can find a viable uh, player late in the draft. Well, Louise, I appreciate the question. Here's what I would say. I keep hearing about the idea that the Giants could trade a wide receiver or depth or a uh, tackle from the depth chart or maybe someone who or maybe someone someone from another position who won't make the roster. I'm sure uh, Joe Shane, I'm sure uh, uh, general manager, general manager uh, Joe Shane would like to, and I'm sure he will try, but it's not that easy. You know, there are 32 there are 32 NFL teams trimming rosters from 90 to 53 players over the next few days. That means 
almost 1,200 players will be out of jobs and available to every team in the league next week. There will be a lot of offensive linemen similar to Matt Pert, a lot of experienced cornerbacks, wide receivers, etc. available. You know, if you're going to ask me why would a team give up a draft asset for a player like Matt Pert when they can claim or sign a, sim- a similarly skilled player without getting, uh, without giving up anything, well, for for a team to trade for a player right now, they have to believe that player stands well above any player they could claim off the waiver wire. So that's all I got to say about that. But interesting question. <clears throat> um, my next question. Um, so ne- the next question I have is from uh, Paul L. Paul, you're asking. I'm a little confused, and I hope you can clear this up. With the new emergency quarterback rule, can the Giants put Tommy DeVito <clears throat> on the practice squad and still dress him for every game, or does he have to be on the 53-man roster and not count as a rostered player? Either way, they need to keep this kid. Paul, I appreciate the question. Second of all, here's what I would say. For a player to be used on a game day, for a player to be used, for a player to be used on game day, as the third quarterback, he must be part of the main roster. 50, uh, he has to be part of the 53-man roster. A practice squad player can be elevated three times during a season, so the Giants could elevate DeVito, Tommy DeVito, if he is on the practice squad three times. I don't know why a team would elevate a practice squad quarterback, though, unless they entered a game knowing, unless they entered a game knowing that one of their two primary quarterbacks was injured. Look, as for needing to keep uh, Tommy DeVito, I will say this, and I said it in my podcast. I'm gonna say it again. Um, look. This kid has shown more recently than I thought uh, than I thought I was going to see. When training camp started, I figured he had no chance to stick around. Now I won't be surprised if the Giants do keep this kid. If they find someone on the waiver wire that they like better, they will move on. This kid though has certainly made a case for himself, you know. So that's all I gotta say about that. But we'll see what happens. But I appreciate the, I appreciate the question. Um, next question is coming from uh, Bob um, D. Bob Danelli. Bob, you're asking, Justin, you have mentioned in the past that it takes time for an O-line to, to uh, gel. The guard position appears up in the air with some talk of a rotation to start this year. The center is a rookie and will no doubt have a bit of a learning curve. The right tackle needs to improve on his 2022 uh, rookie performance. With their schedule, the O-line will be tested early and often by the NFL's uh, 10 best D-lines, Dallas, Philly, and Washington two times each, along with San Francisco, uh, along with the 49ers, the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins. Throw in the Patriots for good measure. That's 11 of 17 games going up against the best. In your view, how concerned should uh, should we uh, should we be about the ability of the online to sufficiently protect Daniel Jones, and how will that impact the play calling? Well, Bob, I appreciate the question, and here's what I got to say about that. 
listen up. The reality is, the reality of this whole thing is that how much the offensive line improves from last season depends on the play of Evan Neal. Look at what we have, what I think what every Giants fan has seen so far indicates he will be better. I said it, and I'm pretty sure some people have, have said it as well. But the question is how much better, you know, it, I mean, look, it's not fair to expect, it's not fair to expect Evan Neal to go from one of the worst right tackles in the league to one of the best in a single season. I mean, the Andrew Thomas leap is the exception, not a rule. If Evan Neal is, let's say, league average in year two, that's a big jump. And it will make the offensive line as a whole, as a whole, much better. You know, the guard play will be acceptable in my view. You know, Mark Glowinski and Ben Bridison are adequate players. And like Evan Neal, Joshua Azudu should be better in year two. However, that plays out. I'm not worried about it. I'm fascinated, but I'm not worried. John Michael Schmitz gives every indication that this that he will be a very good NFL player. It can't look at it, it can't it can't get harder for him than blocking Dexter Lawrence every day. And he's done okay. Now, if you're going to ask me, will, be, will he be a top-tier center right away? Maybe, maybe not. The 2022 bar for this kid isn't really... The 2023 bar for John Michael Schmitz isn't really all that high. John Feliciano was a bottom-tier center a year ago with his, uh, 50, uh, two, uh, with his uh, 58.2 pro football focus grade, ranking 27th among uh, 32 qualifying centers. If John Michael Schmitz is better than that as a rookie... <laughs> That is another upgrade, you know, so I wouldn't say I'm worried about the offensive line. I would say I'm fascinated, you know, just seeing how Joe Shane has turned this whole offensive line around, you know, and literally in, in, a, in, in like, in, uh, like one season, I mean, the offensive line was, was already as good. I mean, the Giants drafted two bookend tackles. You know, and now you go and you get a you get one you you go out into the draft into this year's draft and you get one of the best centers. So you got two really good tackles. You got one really good center. You know, so I wouldn't worry if Evan Neal balls out. This offensive line is going to be much better. You know, so that's all. That's all. That's all I would say. I wouldn't say I'm not worried. I would say I'm, um, I would say I'm more, um, I'm more, uh, fascinated about it, you know, but we'll see what happens. Um, uh, next question, next questions coming from, uh, Spencer, uh, G Spencer Gross, uh, Spencer, you're asking, your question is, I am excited about the acquisition of Isaiah Simmons as I was a fan of his coming out of Clemson, but I am concerned on reports he played poorly against the Chiefs last Sunday. Do you believe a change of scenery along with Wink's uh, philosophy of a po- of a positionless defense playing into his skill set produces better results than he had in Arizona? Well, Spencer, I appreciate the question, and I got to an answer. What the... Look at What does... How the guy played in a preseason game have to do with anything. That doesn't matter. You know, I'm, look at, uh, we all, look at, 
we all know what this, what Isaiah Simmons is. And it's very simple. He's an incredible he's a this kid is he's an he's an incredible athlete. That's what he is. And that athleticism allows him to play a number of roles. And at times make um, make some spectacular plays. There are also flaws in this game and how he used, you know, or doesn't use. That athleticism that have held him back from being the player many thought he would be, you know, Nick Filato did a great job breaking um, all of that down, you know. You know, um, but look at the Giants would not have acquired Isaiah Simmons unless they ha- unless they had a plan for him. If you have paid attention to Joe Shane, they don't acquire any player without a plan for how they would use him. They know what Isaiah Simmons can do. They also know what he can't do or hasn't done well. Most importantly, they know all of that and what they hope to see him do for their defense. You know, you know I said this, you know I said this on I said this uh, last Friday. I said this on I said this yesterday actually, which was yeah, yeah, yesterday. This kit, you know, I didn't I, I don't think I said it on my podcast, but I I said this. Isaiah Simmons, you know, he doesn't he he doesn't have to play like a top 10 pick in the draft, which you know, obviously that w- that was what everyone was expecting him to be, you know, to help the Giants. He has to be better than Timon Fox and O'Shane Eximenes. He has to be better in coverage than Michael McFadden. He has to be better than Darian Beavers or Carter Coughlin. He is probably going to be a sub-package defender for the Giants. He has, you know, he has to impact the quarterback when given the opportunity. Wink Marndo obviously will try to accentuate um, Isaiah Simmons' strengths, hide his weaknesses, and see if that athleticism translates into plays that, you know, helps them win games. So we're going to see what happens. But, uh, you know, I mean, I like this kid. You know, I mean, this is a guy that I wanted, you know, uh, when he was coming out of Clemson, he was one. He was one of the top uh, defensive players coming out of college. And, you know, there was a big. Obviously, there was a big. There was a big debate on who the Giants should get. Either it was love top. Either what? Like at the time, the Giants' offensive line was horrible. You know, but our defense was horrible. So it really didn't. You know, every Giant. You know, the entire Giants fan base. Everyone was. Everyone was 50-50 on the whole uh, debate with that. Uh, on the whole debate on who the Giants should get, either it was Isaiah Simmons or uh, any of the top five tackles. And uh, Andrew Thomas was in, he was in the same draft class. You know, I mean, you had Mike, you had Mackay Beckton, you had Will, Lepp, you had a, uh, you had um, Andrew Thomas, you had um, I forgot the other two, um, um, but. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot. The offensive line in the two. I forgot what draft class uh, Isaiah Simmons was. I think he was in the 2019 NFL. I think he was in the 2019 NFL draft class. You know, there's a the offensive line class for 2019 was really talented. You know, so we're gonna see what happens. But that's all I gotta say about that. But I appreciate the question.
Uh, next question is coming from um, uh, Muz, uh, Muz, uh, Muzdad. Ho- hopefully, I said your name right. Um, um, your question, your question is uh, first time question. Okay, this is your first time. This is uh, this is his first question. Okay. The trade for Isaiah Simmons raised a question for me. How do you, uh, how do these trades get started? Is the current team secretly uh, shopping the player, or are teams randomly calling other teams to see who is available? There is no apparent connection between the Giants and the Cards. Well, Music, hopefully I said your uh, name right. Look at Eli Manning used to say that every interception had its own story. He would always then go on to say every one of them was his fault. Even the ones that obviously were not. But that's another story. Back to the Isaiah Simmons trade. Here's what, here's what I would say. Every trade, ha- every trade also has its own story. General managers, you know, general managers talk to each other all the time. And there is always some chatter about who might be available and what areas in which teams might be looking for uh, help. These things don't happen on a whim. You know, assistant uh, general uh, general manager uh, Brandon Brown described recently how the Giants pro personnel department prepares for the upcoming roster cuts, saying this is that department's Super Bowl. He described how the Giants have a preseason board of players on other teams they believe could become available, and they don't you know, and have done work ahead of time to identify the players they, that they feel could upgrade their roster. My guess is this. My guess is the Giants had identified Isaiah Simmons as a player who could help them. And when they found out uh, Arizona Cardinals uh, general manager, who is Monty Austinfort, who obviously Monty Austinfort, he's he's clearly us he's clearly um ready to sell the entire cardinals uh roster you know because let's not forget now this card this is a you know the cardinals have new ownership they have a new front office you know they have a new gm new head coach you know so and all the players that the cardinals all all the players that are on the car that are on the cardinals monty Osso, monty Osso didn't bring in you know so it's going to be, so, you know, um, Mati Asifort, he was ready to sell before the deadline uh, to cut rosters to 53 players. They made an offer, you know, so that's all I got to say about that. But I appreciate the question. And yeah, guys, those are all the questions. Uh, those are all the questions I have so far for today. I appreciate all of your wonderful questions. And I hope you, I hope everyone I hope everyone, hope everyone accepted, you know, I hope everyone can accept all the answers that I have, you know, I try my best, but yeah, that, but that's all I got to say about that, you know, I appreciate all these wonderful questions, let me know how do you guys feel about my answers, and I'll get right back at you guys about that, but yeah, so far, that's all I have for you guys today, and you guys already know, if you want to ask me more questions or comment about anything, you guys can just go down in the Q&A section on on uh on my podcast at Giants Nation on Spotify and yeah um but yeah uh, so far other than that I have I, that's all I have for you guys today um yeah
Um, so yeah, if there's anything, uh, if I, if there's that, I'll let you guys know if there's any more updates or news about the Giants, or if there's any list that I have, if there's any list that I, that I can think of, I'll let you guys know about that as well. You know, um, but until then guys, I'm out. Peace.